Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. Today is a special day not only because of baptism, but also because it's Vision Sunday. So if it's your first time here this morning, or you've been checking out the church online, or uh, you've been coming around for a little bit, this is a really great morning to be here uh, to hear about the vision that God has placed on our lives as a community of Jesus followers. And you'll hear me say it if you've been here for any length of time, like typically it's the first thing that I say when I come up here is that we are a community of Jesus followers who are committed to bringing life to the city. That is our vision. That is our aim here as a family. We want to be pushing out into our communities, out to our families, out to the city, um, and loving in a way that's generous and humble and reflective and contemplative and authentic. Um, And I'll get to more of that later. But this morning is Vision Sunday. And before we get into specific vision, I wanted to just get at, at, uh, at this generally, and what, what is vision? A lot of times, uh, whether it's in a business setting, or in politics, or at a church setting, we'll hear this thing of vision, and what is vision? And so we hear it a lot, so I thought it would be um, worth our time to get after that idea of, like, generally, well, what is it? We hear it so often, well, what's vision? Is vision, like I have 20-20 vision, I can see, or I don't have 20-20 vision, that's why I have glasses. Like, what is vision? And so I just had a few thoughts on that um, as well. What do we mean when we say vision? Vision is not living by ambition. That's what it doesn't mean. When we talk about vision amongst the people of God in a community, we're not talking about ambition. If you've ever been in a church community or in a community of people who are led by ambition, you know that this leads to a sense of drivenness, restlessness, and panic. Vision, on the other hand, is not ambition. Vision is discovering what God has always created for you and called you to be and do, and then surrendering to that vision. Clear vision on the other hand, leads to peace and power and passion. So there's a difference between ambition and just wanting to move forward an agenda and God-given vision. There's a really important verse which we're going to settle on for this morning. And I feel it's important for not only my life individually, but for us as a community of Jesus followers. And it's this little verse in this little insignificant book of the Bible. My son asked me this morning, he says, what do you think is the most, like, the, the least read book of the Bible? And I said, it's got to be Habakkuk. Like, that's where we're going this morning. So we're reading Habakkuk. This is in Habakkuk 2. And this verse is really important for me personally. When Sarah and I first came to Cleveland, I don't think there was one thing that could go right for us. And here we are today standing on the foundation of the calling God's put on our lives, even when we don't feel it, and the foundation of his word to our hearts. And this verse is a big part of it. 
It's a big part of it for our community. So I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it twice. I'll read it uh, through the NIV, and then I'm going to read it in the message version. This is a huge vision piece for us. We've just really come to love the contemplative here at our church, and so it's, um, it's often that we'll share silence together. It might be awkward for you if you've never sat in silence with a big group of people before. It's okay. It's going to be all right. If you find that your thoughts start to drift somewhere else, that's all right. Happens to all of us. And just, just draw your thoughts back to the person of Jesus. And so the first time I read it, I want us to kind of slow down and just breathe. You don't have to follow along anything on the screen. You don't have to do anything. You just have to hear the word of God. That's it. And just be silent. Just quiet your heart. Just slow down. Our lives are so hectic through the week. Let this be a space of rest and a peace for you. This is Habakkuk 2. 2. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. And then God answered, write this. Write what you see. Write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. This vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait, and it doesn't lie. So if it seems slow in coming, just wait. It's on its way. It will come right on time. Father, give us grace to wait. I pray that in this moment, Jesus, that you would be speaking to each and every person. You've journeyed with every person here from the moment they took their first breath until the moment they walked through these doors. You're intimately involved in each one of our lives. You've not left us. You've not forsaken us. You're right with us, closer than our next breath. Make us, Lord, aware of your presence. Make us aware of your presence, God. I pray that just even today, there would just be one, Father, that you would touch one person to awaken to your desire and your presence in their lives. Give us grace to see this vision through that you've originated, that you've initiated with us. In Jesus' name, amen. So when we're talking about vision, generally there's a couple of big points that 
I wanted to talk about for our community, and I wanted to do Vision Sunday today so that you would see examples of what vision enacted or engaged looks like. One of those is baptism. We got to see that in baptism. Another huge point is authentic community, and the way that we do that is through small groups. On Sunday mornings, it's really great, and we sit in rows, and we receive from God, and we worship together. We sing songs of praise to God, but there are some things that we just can't get when we're sitting in rows and not in circles. And so that is played out in small groups, in this idea of small groups. We want to be a church of small groups, not a church with some small groups. This is where the good stuff of following Jesus happens, is when we're in each other's lives day to day, like iron sharpening iron, following Jesus. A huge part of vision for Vineyard Cleveland is authentic community. Um, huge part of it. So when we're talking about vision generally, vision uh, is different from sight. Sight is a function of our eyes and vision is more of a function of our hearts. Vision is seeing the future before it comes into being. Isn't it crazy what we're doing here this morning? We're pointing people towards this invisible thing that we can't even hold, touch, taste, see, or hear. But we're saying this is what's real. It's an impossible assignment. Vision is impossible. And if it's impossible, you can count on one thing, that that vision, if it's impossible, most certainly came from God. Because most visions that come from God are seemingly impossible to accomplish. We can't do it in our own strength. Vision's the ability to see farther than your eyes can look. It's a vision that makes the unseen things visible and the unknown things possible. And that's what we're after here at Vineyard Cleveland. From the smallest little toddler to the oldest elderly saint in their 90s, Vision at Vineyard Cleveland, vision in the kingdom of God is all-encompassing. It's multi-generational. It's multifaceted. So what I'm attempting to do this morning is to answer a few questions through a few different ways. And the two questions that I'm attempting to answer have to deal with identity and direction. Identity and direction. And the first question is, who are we? Who are we? Vineyard Cleveland, as a church community, who are we really? And the second question deals with direction. Where are we going? Who are we and where are we going? That first question dealing with identity is one that I think we could pursue our whole entire lives. And I think we're called to pursue our whole entire lives. Who are we? But the one thing that I feel the Lord has, um, or a sense that the Lord has impressed upon me in the weeks leading up to this talk, has been this thing of being filled with the Spirit. The Lord wants us, Vineyard Cleveland, if you claim Jesus as Lord, and you're saying, yeah, I'm, I'm doing life with you guys at Vineyard Cleveland, the Lord's word to us this morning is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
There are numerous, countless verses in the Old and the New Testament, but mostly in the New Testament, of this command. When Paul speaks about being filled with the Spirit, he's commanding. This is not like an option in following Jesus. We're to be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? In Ephesians 5, Paul writes this, Don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. Drink the Spirit of God, huge drafts of Him. Sing hymns instead of drinking songs. Don't you love that? That's the message version of Ephesians 5.18. Huge drafts of the Spirit of God. We're to be inundated with the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that we're told raised Jesus from the dead, filling us with his power, his presence, his patience, his grace, his joy, his freedom, and his love for our families, for our communities. To see ourselves through the lens of the Holy Spirit is to know that you are loved endlessly by a Father who cares for you eternally. No matter what decisions you've made in your past, no matter what sort of spaghetti mess you see your life as presently, and no matter what may come, we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing well, I already have been filled with the Holy Spirit and that happened like 20 years ago. No! How can you be filled with something? How can you have more of something that you're already filled with? Well, the answer lies in the fact and reality that we're not filled with something, we're filled with someone. We're to be filled with someone. He's a person, the Holy Spirit. We always like to deal with the Holy Spirit in this kind of vague way that he's like some um, intangible force, like from Star Wars, that if we just wield the power of the force, we can see sick bodies made well. and all. Of the, but he's a person. He wants relationship with us. We're to be filled with him to be filled with the present. Check out Jesus' words in John 6. It is the Spirit who gives life. It's the Spirit who gives life. If we want to fulfill our vision to bring life to the city, which you see when you come in through the side, not the front doors, the side doors, I guess, because the street's back there. So confusing. But you walk in through the doors and you see it on the wall, bringing life to the city. The only way, the only way that we can do this is by the power of the Holy Spirit, is by being filled, being consistently filled every day, waking up in the morning saying, come Holy Spirit, fill me with your presence. We need you, God. We need to be filled. If we're not filled, we won't be able to accomplish the vision that he's put on our lives to accomplish. It's the Spirit, Jesus says, who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. In Luke 11, Jesus again, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Isaiah 44, 3, I love this. For I will pour water on the thirsty land. Oh, how we need this scripture right now. In America, 
in Cleveland, in our church. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I'll pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, filled to the uttermost and asking for more, satisfied yet thirsty for more, filled with the Spirit. We're a people who are called to be filled with the Spirit. As I mentioned before, we're leaning into one way experiencing being filled by the Holy Spirit is through this thing of the reflective journey or the contemplative life. In that way, we follow Jesus a little bit differently than a lot of churches that you may have visited, and that's okay. We believe that there is presence in in silence. There's power in getting away and resting And meditating on small portions of Scripture rather than having to feel like we have to read through the entire Bible all in one sitting. Little bite-sized morsels of the Word because we're trying to open the ears of our hearts, not just put on good programs at Vineyard Cleveland. We're trying to hear what He's really saying to the church, what He's really speaking, what He's really like. And so the best way we found in these times to do that is to just quiet down, is to just listen, to center our hearts. And yeah, that might cost us. It may cost us in filling the chairs. It may cost us in having some huge charismatic influential leader who's always got the right answers because I don't. And the people sitting next to you, they don't either. But what we know is when we calm down and we, and we just get quiet before God, we hear his voice. And when we hear his voice, it changes everything in our lives. You see, now we don't need the clamor for attention. We don't need the rat race, as it were. Because we've got the only thing that matters, that truly matters. His presence in our lives. Could there be anything worth more than hearing the word from God himself, speaking to our thoughts, speaking to our hearts, speaking in our lives through nature, through the cross, through his word? Ah, what a privilege to just slow down, to just rest. Vineyard Cleveland, this is a huge vision piece. You will never hear me asking you to do more things for God. God doesn't need me or you to do more things for him. He's perfectly capable to do things on his own, is he not? He's eternally strong and powerful. He doesn't need you and I to hold his hand, as Bono said, and help him across the street like a little old lady. Rather, Vineyard Cleveland, he's inviting us to partner with him in bringing life to others. And so you'll never hear me asking you, begging you to do more things for God. What you will hear from me is, hey, you might be a little bit too busy in your life. Why don't you try and take a couple of days off and just rest? 
just hear God's voice. Is that enough? Because when we get quiet, we get real quiet before the Lord. What happens is that our thoughts calm and we get to hear Jesus' thoughts over us. Don't you want to hear God, what God thinks about? Do you know God has thoughts and feelings about you? Oh, I get it. God loves me. No, no, no. God has these thoughts about you. God has these feelings about you. And so often in prayer, we rush through our list of wants or needs, and they're all good and well, and he never gets tired of hearing our needs. He's eternally patient with us. But when we just quiet, you know, it's, not, it's never like he's like put off by like, ah, oh, here's Dave coming to me again. Man, I wish I could give that space to somebody else. There are more. No, God loves hearing from Dave, Yes. God loves hearing from you. When you have a pressing need, it could never be. It could, you're, what you think might be insignificant in the eyes of God is eternally important to him. He's never like a father who's always working and too busy to hear your needs. He always wants to hear your heart and what you're needing, what you're wanting, what you're desiring what you're sorry about, what you're happy over, what you're dreaming. But when we get quiet, then we get to hear his desires over our hearts, his thoughts over us. What does God think about us? What is, how does he feel about me? Does God, you know, these big questions, does God really love me? Me? Little old me? You know, these big questions, how does God feel about me? And when we quiet and we reflect on the day, on the year, on the month, on the decade. When we get quiet, we get to hear how God thinks about us. And that's truly a beautiful thing. You'll hear us say quite often at Vineyard Cleveland that we want to create a safe place, an authentic place. What does it mean to follow Jesus, Vineyard Cleveland, authentically? You hear a lot about um, those in uh, those in uh, Gen Y and millennials and even Gen Z who are deconstructing, deconstructing. They've seen the last 50 years of the evangelical church and they're like, no thanks, had enough. We intend to follow Jesus differently here at, Jesus, at, at Vineyard Cleveland. We in, intend to follow Jesus authentically, which means that there's a wide space for you to deconstruct and then to build from the foundation of Jesus' presence. I believe, here's what I believe, all of this talk about the evangelical church and deconstruction and, you know, I'm post-evangelical, you'll hear that. I used to be a Christian and now I'm just walking away because of what the church did or how I've been treated in the church. And some of those, some of those are not just, it's not just victim talk. There are real hurts attached with the church. There are real religious hangups and those are not, I'm not devaluing that. 
But what I am doing is speaking faith and hope into that situation. Say, maybe, maybe dig a little bit further. And once you've deconstructed, you'll find that the grace of God is lower. And what you'll find is that the ocean of grace is deeper and is wider than to just simply walk away. Because Jesus will never walk away from you. He told us so in his word. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And how many know the rainbow is in the sky to tell us that God, through the person of Jesus Christ, always keeps his promises. Always. He will never leave you. Never, ever, ever, ever. There's no pit too deep that you could fall into where God's grace isn't there first to pull you out of. There's no pit too deep. There's no shovel big enough to dig in deconstruction to get to the bottom of the foundation of who Jesus is. We're told that Jesus has been there He's the beginning and the end. He's been there since before the foundations of the earth. How can you deconstruct lower than the foundations of the earth? You can't. Jesus' presence is still there, the Alpha and the Omega. Mm. I'm preaching today. It's good. (laughs) It's real good. Good job, buddy. Um... Hey, Joe. Hey, let's give it up for Joe. Joe and... Joe's... Yeah. Yeah, buddy. Cerulean gives it up for Joe. Loves him. Uh, Joe Joe and Janice are amazing. Here's a vision piece. This past week, Joe um, hustles out of work. Dylan hustles out of work. Jason Torrance hustles out of work. Uh, am I missing? Billy hustles out of work and they come to hang out with our youth at a fire night. And Christine hustles out of work to come hang out and just be presents for our youth and put on a bonfire and roast some s'mores. Amazing. You guys, amazing. Just that you'd even want to spend time with my kids. Like, that's amazing. (laughs) All kidding aside, I love my kids, both Luca and Winnie, and I love spending time with them. Yes. The common denominator here, and we'll finish up here in five minutes. The common denominator here is that Vineyard Cleveland, and those who are new, I'm so sorry. I'm going to speak to those who I've journeyed with over the past six years, is that we have an emotional connection together. I've been with you at the graveside of your sons. I've been with you and stood at the altar as you decided to tie your lives together. I've been with you as you've seen a family member pass away and there to pray for you and comfort for you. I've been with you through tough times in your marriages. And Vineyard Cleveland, you've been there for me. You've been with Sarah and I when there were days in our church where $40,000 just walked out the door because we weren't a good enough church. You've been there with us when folks spoke hurtful words. Well, you're not like the old pastor. This will be our last Sunday here. You've stuck by our side and you've hung in there. We have a connection together. We're with one another. There's something that God has done that's tied our our hearts together and woven us together so that we share vision. There's a connection between us. There's an emotional connection between us and it's based on shared history And this morning, 
I want to remind all of us, myself included, of Jesus' faithfulness, that when we show up empty-handed through this emotional connection, this shared history together, that God will do amazing things. Habakkuk 2, just wait. Just wait. It's coming. The vision is coming. Just wait. Jesus is faithful to us. And I'm here to tell you this morning, too, that in my 20s, over the course of the past year, over the course of the first two years here, in my 20s, there are many times where I would have been like, okay, what new job is on the job board? Sarah and I are out. Though the last year and a half has been tough for all of us, Sarah and I make this commitment to you this morning. We are not going anywhere. We are standing firm, even when we don't feel it, on the foundation of Jesus' call to us here to Vineyard Cleveland. We believe that he called us here, even when we don't feel like it. We know that we know when we put our eyes on Jesus, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. We're called here. And in our 20s where we would have escaped, looked for an escape hatch and leaned out, I'm promising you this, Vineyard Cleveland, we're leaning in. We are leaning in. And when we see adversity, we've learned to take that as a sign that we're going the right way. You're going the right way. You're going the right way. We're going, we're moving towards Jesus' presence. We're not going anywhere. The burning platform. What's the burning platform this morning? The bigger need is this, that there are countless folks in Parma Heights and in Parma, in our families, in the city of Cleveland, who need, who need, and they may not even know they need. They may not be aware of their need, but they need a church community like ours. They're dying for it. And I've received the advice in the past to not talk about how our church is so different from all the rest. And I get that. We're just the same. We're following Jesus one step at a time. And that's what you want me to say. And we're no different. But I'm a four on the Enneagram. And I like being the unique wallflower on the side of the I, I, like, I, I, I like how I quite like how God has made us unique and not like any other church in the Cleveland area. There's a specific role for us to play. That's why it's called the body. We're not all feet. We're not all feet. Some of us have to be the cool skinny jeans. And some of us do not. (laughs) Ah, the twist. And we are not. We are not that. We are not the stage. We are not the flash. We are not the hype. We are the everyday show up. We'll show you by the way we love type of church. And people are dying for an expression like that. A contemplative, active community like that. That's the burning platform because people need that and that's going to cost us. There is a fear of loss involved with this. It'll cost us everything to live our lives this way. It's not normal. I'm sorry. It will cost us And the wake-up call is that there is a search, uh, a sense of urgency. If not us, who? If not now, when? We're it, y'all. 
very few communities like this, the need to act on this call is now, in these times. What would it look like? Dang it. What would it look like? What does golden tomorrow look like? Golden tomorrow looks like allowing Jesus to stretch our hearts and our minds to where we can, instead of seeing 1,400 meals a month being served, you see the canned, this is vision. You see the canned goods? We've got spaces to tuck those canned goods in. But I said to Mike and Rita, I said, put them out. Let people see. Instead of serving 1,400 meals, how about 14,000 meals a month? Dave is like, no. What? <laughs> oh, how about 14,000 meals a month? Instead of one, and, and hear me, uh, apart from an entitlement, yes, but instead of one Chrome Carl granted refrigerator, how about five? How about five? Because that means we can feed more people. It's not, it's not egotistical before you standing up here and saying, hey, I want the church to grow. It's biblical. Healthy things grow. Do we have all that we need? Yes, and more. Do we sense the Spirit calling us into more? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What about two food pantries? What if we ran two of them? We did it. This past year, now we're running two, two nights, two separate nights. What about four food pantries? Could we run four? It's going to take all of us. Mind stretch, heart stretch, to open up, to believe that these visions that God has laid on your hearts, not on, not on mine, not on Sarah's, but on your hearts, to believe that those are from God and for our church. And for the betterment of people in the neighborhood and people in the city. The golden tomorrow is the floodgates will open as we are filled with the Holy Spirit. I promise as we say yes to being filled with the Spirit and being patient that we'll see a fruit-filled life. The only thing with that promise is that I can't promise you or dictate when or how that fruit happens. But I can guarantee you this, that there will be fruit from it. But that's up to him, not up to us. And that's what it looks like. And the God smile, where's the God smile? The God smile, how is God pleased with vision? He's pleased when we walk humbly pointing to Jesus, welcoming new folks, expanding the vision to lead a small group like Christina and Sandy, uh, serving at Seeds of Hope. He's happy. His heart is pleased when we step out in faith and we serve at kids ministry. We show up for uh, s'mores and fire night with the youth or we enact some new um, ministry that serves the homeless around. And I told you I wasn't going to do it, Leah, Leo and Laura, but I'm going to. When, when you have cucumbers in your garden and you say, you know what, there's some hungry people who could use these cucumbers. We can't eat them all. Here you go. And here's like five bushels of cucumbers. God is happy. 
in his heart. He's happy when, when Angela and Evan set up the donut sale out in Lakewood and, and just sell donuts and then donate all the profits to the Seeds of Hope food pantry in return. God's happy. God's happy, you guys, when, oh my gosh, you overwhelmed me. This is what a community of spirit-filled Christians look, looks like when on a, a whim and people are being trudged out of their houses because um, an oppressive regime is taking over their country. You gave $2,200 to bring Afghani immigrants to the United States. $2,200. Do you know what I prayed before that Sunday? On a whim, you gave $2,200. I prayed, oh Lord, let us get one uh, vulnerable woman out of Afghanistan. Oh please, let us let, count the, charge that to our account, Lord. Wouldn't that be a blessing if we could get one out? You guys gave $2,200 to Afghani Christians, brothers and sisters, to get them out of Afghanistan. And now they're here in Ohio with Building Hope in the City, learning English, learning what it means to contribute to society. That's an et- You guys saved generations. Thank you, Jesus. You saved generations. Ah, gives me chills. That's when God is, God's heart is happy. That's what it means to bring life, not to this city alone, but to all cities. 